The more you learn about the immense universe, the more you realize how you can trust in the huge, infinite God who created it. God created more stars than all the grains of sand on all the deserts and beaches. This is Bob Boyd. And Jerry Boyd. This is Issues in Education. The God who breathed out and a universe was created out of nothing can easily take care of you. If you have a small view of God, your problems are big. But if you have the correct view of Almighty God, who overfills the entire universe, your problems are tiny. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens don't just show His power and creativity. The heavens declare His unlimited, infinite power, resources, and creativity. Here's an astronomer looking at God's handiwork, the trillions and trillions of stars, but he can't see the magnificence in deep space as evidence for the creator of the universe. This astronomer, along with other evolutionists, try to justify long ages for starlight to reach the Earth when it's simply God creating starlight that's already reaching the Earth when he created the stars, as it says in Genesis chapter 1. The biggest story of our lifetime may end up being the biggest story in the history of mankind. NASA released incredibly high-resolution images of deep space revealing details of our universe that we have never seen before. Chief Astronomer of the Franklin Institute, Derek Pitts. Why is this such a big deal? It has always baffled us how it was that the universe came into existence and what's going to happen to it. James Webb Space Telescope can see into regions of the deep universe that we haven't been able to see into before. What we realize is that the light we're receiving today left 40 million years ago. So we're seeing the very earliest portions of the universe as they appeared 13 billion years ago. Wow. 13 billion years ago? How can he be so sure? They call this science? Evolutionists have to try to make the age of the universe very long to try to justify their fairy tale for adults because it's illogical that people are evolved without any evidence. This is the chief astronomer who says it's always baffled us how the universe came into existence. (laughs) How can such an educated astronomer and other astronomers not know that the one who created the universe has told us in his word why he created the stars and what he will eventually do? with the universe. That's right. In Second Peter chapter 3, the heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire. Now that's real global warming. And, <laughs> and Psalms 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God like a huge billboard saying, look at what God has made. And imagine how huge he is to make all of this. Yet, as Jesus said, God has hidden these things from the wise and learned to reveal them to little children. God has made foolish the wisdom of this world as they stare into deep space and yet miss the message that the universe was created. And therefore, that's evidence of a creator. Ken Ham is the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis and creator of the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter. Ken Ham's most recent book is called Creation to Babel. Ken Ham was a science teacher in Australia. Okay, Ken, if God created the universe 6,000 years ago, why do we see starlight that's millions of light years away? You know, there are secular scientists who mock at us and say, look, the universe is 15 billion years old. We know that light takes millions of years to get from the furthest star. How can you creationists believe in just 6,000 years? 
but using their assumptions. They can only get light halfway across the universe. They can't get it spread out through the whole universe. So they have to inflate the universe to try to spread that light out because they recognize that they've got a problem. You know, it's interesting when Jesus at the Cana wedding celebration, he changed the water into wine. If somebody to take a look at that wine, they would say that wine was not just made. That wine has age in it. And so Christ created age in the wine and also in Adam. Adam wasn't made a little boy, he was made a man. When God created Adam, you know, we know Adam was obviously reproductively able to be able to have children. See, when Adam was made, he was made fully mature immediately. He didn't have age. He was mature and he wasn't born as a baby. When God created the earth, were the trees fully grown or were they baby trees? If they were full grown, did they have growth rings? And of course, since they could eat of the fruit, obviously they were already mature. Exactly. Already mature with fruit. When God made the trees, they had growth rings, but they would have been all very even for the big trees to be able to stand. Trees did have rings, but they weren't growth rings. They were created with those rings for functionality for the tree, to give it strength. Now, what do you say to a student who says, well, my teacher says that evolution did occur, and there are lots of transitional forms. What should the student say? I encourage students to say, could you name those transitional forms? The Bible says God made man from dust and made a woman from his side. If you're going to believe in evolution, you've got a problem, then the woman had to come from an ape woman and the man from an ape man. But the Bible says woman came from his side. We would help people understand there are no ape men. I mean, even Lucy, the famous Lucy, is some sort of upright walking chimp from looking at the hands that it was a knuckle dragger and not an upright walking human like us. And when they make Lucy have human looking feet, they didn't find the bones of the feet of Lucy. Children don't understand that a lot of what they're seeing in the textbooks is based upon artistic license. You can take an ape skeleton and make it look human-like by the way you add flesh. You can take a human skeleton and make it look somewhat ape-like by the way you add human flesh. And that's exactly what's been done. Well, even Nebraska man, that came from a wild pig's tooth. And then what about some of these bones that were just arthritic? And they said they were monkey bones, but they were arthritic human bones. Nebraska man, based upon one tooth, and they found out later on it was a tooth an extinct pig and of course Piltdown Man was a fraud. Many people don't hear this information and it's just presented as fact in the textbooks. It's interesting for me as a public school teacher, I used to be a science teacher in the public schools in Australia. Go back and you look at the textbooks that I taught from and what they presented as fact for evolution and you look today and you find out what was presented as fact then has been thrown out. Now they have something new and and then you come back in 10 years time you find that'll be thrown out rejected by evolutionists yet in their day it was presented as fact. Man's ideas have been thrown out but God's word still stands and hasn't been changed. And what you'll find is any examples they try to give of transitional forms are creatures, there are reptiles that have some features similar to mammals. But so what? If you look at a platypus, a platypus has a bill like a duck and beaver-like tail and hair like a bear, web feet like an otter, claws like a reptile, lays eggs like a turtle, feeds a jungle milk like a mammal, has spurs like a rooster and poison like a snake. So there you are. It has features of lots of different groups. But nobody believes today that the platypus is a transitional form or anything like that. Look at finches. You have all this variation in finches. They're still 100% finches. A lot of what students are taught, evolution is happening and we see the transitions because we see the changes. But there are only changes within a kind. The Bible talks about God making animals and plants after their kind. If you take dogs, lots of different species of dogs, your dingoes, wolves, coyotes, and so on, but there's the dog family. That's called the kind. God made a dog kind. And because of all the incredible amount of information that God put in the dog genes, as he put in elephant genes or camel genes or whatever, you can get great variation within each kind. You can get different species 
but I know some of the textbooks and teachers will teach, see, that's evolution because we see the changes here. But they're only changes within a kind reflecting the variability that was there in the first place. And students need to be told that. And so if it's dogs, they still remain dogs. If it's guppies, they remain guppies. If it's finches, they remain finches. And that's the point. But they're the simple basic things that many students aren't being taught. Our guest has been Ken Ham, president of Answers in Genesis. Our guest is Dr. Jonathan Henry, teaches chemistry, physics, and astronomy, and is author of the Astronomy Book by Master Books. Well, when you look up at the sky on a dark night and you see the stars and the planets and you realize how incredibly huge they are and how far away they are, you get some idea of the vastness of space and you wonder, why did God have to make the universe so vast? Is it just to show his awesome power? I really think it is, and the Bible certainly indicates that the earth really is special and that God really was simply uh, making the heavens for the earth's benefit, and in particular for man's benefit. And so God did make the planets to help support life on earth. And how hot is the sun? sun's about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit at the surface. Ooh. Boy, that's hotter than the Arizona desert. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, the Earth gets only two billionths of the sun's energy. And yet, think about it, that two billionths of the sun's energy that we get is the energy that powers all the plants, that makes all the vegetation possible, that literally makes all the food on Earth possible. And yet, God is sending out from the sun just a tremendous amount of energy that we never receive, if for nothing else, just to show how powerful he is. And the amazing thing here is that the sun is by no means the biggest kind of star there is. Is Betelgeuse bigger? Much bigger than the sun. Oh. In fact, Betelgeuse is so big that if it were placed where the sun is, its gases would extend all the way out beyond the order of the Earth. Picture this. Our Earth and our sun rotating in its axis around the sun could fit into this star called Betelgeuse. Absolutely amazing. And just to think that God, our God, our Creator, made this huge, huge, huge thing. I mean, He is just like so vast and so infinite and so awesome. The Bible tells us He named everyone. He made them all different. Uh, No two stars are precisely and identically the same, and yet He just made so many of them. We have a really powerful God. You have to say that... The real message of Genesis chapter 1 is that God created, he just simply spoke, and everything existed that he called upon to exist. When he spoke, light came into existence. When he spoke, plants began to sprout from the soil. The real message of Genesis chapter 1 that our culture needs so badly is that God's word is just absolutely, totally powerful. And also the message of Job, where God asked Job how he would like to guide these shooting stars through space. Arturus is another star that goes over 100 miles per second. Very good point. So God in Job chapter 38 clearly was pointing out that he's the one that controls the stars. It's not as if the stars are some sort of astrological gods that control us. And he controls the stars. And the scripture says that God flicked them into space with his fingers. I mean, think about the power of God with his fingers. He just flicked these huge stars into space and off they went. Absolutely amazing. All he had to do was just speak. Oh, he is so awesome. God asked Job, can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons? What God is saying is that not only did he establish the universe, but he controls it, guiding huge stars through space. And he's asking little Job, where were you? Can you sit on one of these stars and guide it through space so it doesn't hit other planets? And the answer, of course, is no. So then if you can't do that, Job, why don't you trust me to manage your tiny little 
life. There's things that I can do that you can't even dream about. That's so important to realize. In fact, the Bible says that God is even controlling the physical universe every instant. We have Hebrews 1 verse 3 tells us that Christ is upholding all things by the word of his power. He didn't just make the universe and just leave it be to run on its own. In fact, the universe couldn't run on its own. There's a real lesson there. He wants to guide us and help us as well. When the stars were the brightest was when I met Jerry here. (laughs) Will will astronomers ever see the edge of the universe? I don't really think so. In fact, the Bible in Jeremiah chapter 31 has a very interesting section that talks about things we will never be able to do. If we can probe the edges of the universe, then I'll cast Israel off. So the implication there would be that this will never happen. God never says that directly it will never happen, but there's strong implication that we'll never actually see the edge. Uh, One time I didn't believe black holes existed. Then I invested in the stock market. Tell us. <laughs> that's a black hole. Yeah. yeah. Tell us, what is a black hole? A black hole is theorized to be an object so dense that nothing can escape from it, not even light. I've never seen a black hole. Nobody has. Well, we sure won't because we got a telescope that you had to put together from Costco. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> we never got that thing together and we finally took it yeah. back. Every time we looked at it, it was a black hole. <laughs> it was so frustrating. Yeah, you made your own black hole. Every time you looked at it. Do you think there was a big bang, an initial explosion from which all the planets, stars, and galaxies came to be? I don't think there was a big bang because the Bible doesn't present things beginning from chaos. It presents them coming from the hand of God and always ordered from the very beginning. Yeah, and when did an explosion ever create order and structure? Exactly. What about the Martian flood? Was there really water on Mars or did Noah's flood waters spill over onto Mars? Oh, brother. In other words, did Noah have a big pipeline? (laughs) Scientists will deny the global flood here on the Earth, but they're pretty keen about the Martian flood. When the astronauts landed on the moon, they were surprised to see how little dust there was because they thought there'd be a tremendous accumulation of dust. But when they found how little dust there was, it made them think that the Earth and the moon and the solar system was much younger than they'd previously thought. Well, that's right, but the evolutionists are never giving up because evolution is a faith. But the fact is, there are evidences that the moon is quite young that you don't even need the dust layer in order to prove. What is the age and the origin of the moon? The moon was spoken into existence by God on the fourth day of the creation week. So that would make the moon only three days younger than the earth. And since the earth is on the order of several thousand years old, that would make the moon on the order of several thousand years old. The moon's receding from the earth gives real good evidence that the moon simply can't be the age that evolutionary theory says it is. Whatever happened to the dinosaurs? A lot of them got killed in the flood. Some of them survived. Some dinosaurs were on the ark, because the Bible does say God brought at least two of every kind of creature on the ark. How could a dinosaur fit on that ark? A baby. Oh, a baby one. Did you know the average-sized dinosaur was about the size of a chicken? No. Absolutely true. Did they taste the same as a chicken? I have no idea, but ask Fred Flintstone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he might know. They went on to populate the post-flood Earth. In fact, there existed up until a thousand years ago, and there's some evidence that dinosaurs may even still exist today in very remote places. Well, some people say dinosaurs exist today when they see me driving my 84 Volkswagen down the street. (laughs) She's a character today. (laughs) When I go out into my garden and start pulling weeds, I wonder, did God create weeds, or did that happen after the fall? After the fall, just like poisonous spiders and venomous snakes. And scorpions. Scorpions. Mm -hmm. We just had one, a scorpion in our garage the other day. It was kind of creepy. Yeah, we fried them up. Real poisonous, too. Bob did real good, though. He took this. It's not a fly swatter. It's a shoe. It's this little shoe on the end of a stick. You shoe fly. And he really smashed that thing. I was so relieved. He's my protector. And how big was he? He's about a... Me, I'm six foot. 
What about this canopy that was over the earth and then after the flood there was no canopy? Could that have some reason for the extinction of the dinosaurs? So if you imagine an actual water vapor layer like this canopy would have been existing before the flood, that would mean the earth would be a lot more protected. Sunlight's a real powerful cause of aging today. That might be part of the explanation why people live longer before the flood. Might also be the explanation why some dinosaurs could grow so big. Lizards today, if they live long enough, they just grow and grow and grow. Our guest has been Professor Jonathan Henry, author of the astronomy book, Wonders of Creation. Nobody tells of God's infinite size and how tiny we are better than author and speaker Louis Giglio. Everywhere we look, it's the imprint of God in all of creation, everywhere we turn. The grandeur of God all over again. We're going to do it by looking at four stars. The first one's easy because there's just one star in our solar system and that star is called the... Sun, thank you very much. Yes, it's 93 million miles away. Light traveling 186,000 miles a second. It's only taken eight minutes to cover that 93 million mile journey to touch your skin here. But what I want you to see is the size of it. It's like a million times the size of the earth. When you hear what the psalmist said, listen to his words. By the word of the Lord, this is Psalm 33, the heavens were made. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. God just breathes out stars. It's crazy to think about it. It's so big you could put 960,000 earths inside the sun. It's a massive star and it's one of hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. It's huge and we're worshiping a star breathing God tonight. But I want to tell you about the second star, okay? It's called Betelgeuse, but this is the crazy thing about Betelgeuse. Are you ready for this? Betelgeuse is twice the size. Are you ready? You think I'm going to say twice the size of the sun? Oh, no. It's twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun, Betelgeuse is. It's crazy. If the Earth were a golf ball, Betelgeuse would be the height of six Empire State Buildings on top of each other. Now, come on. Have you seen the Empire State Building? Get a golf ball, get some plane tickets, and fly up to New York. You're going to take your golf ball and put it on the sidewalk outside the Empire State Building. You're going to look up at the Empire State Building and imagine five more Empire State Buildings on top of the Empire State Building. That's Beetlejuice, and that's the Earth, and somewhere you're on it. You could fit 262 trillion Earths inside Beetlejuice. When I heard that as a teenager, that stumped me right there. Because most of my praying had been advising God, correcting God, (laughs) suggesting things to God, drawing diagrams for God, counseling God. Third star is called Musifi. If the earth were a golf ball, Musifi would be the width of two Golden Gate bridges end to end. Apparently you're going to need to go from New York to the West Coast. Go to San Francisco, place your golf ball at the beginning of the Golden Gate Bridge. Go across the bay into Oakland. Second Golden Gate Bridge will be in your imagination. Find your golf ball over there. That's the Earth and somewhere you're on it. One of the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. It's so big you could fit 2.7 quadrillion Earths inside this one star. Thank you so much. Where have you been all night?
Now, quadrillion we have not talked about. Everybody knows a million, right? How many you know what a million is? You can kind of get your head around a million. You know that a billion's a thousand million, and a trillion is a thousand billion, and a quadrillion is a thousand trillion, right? Everybody knew that? Here's the perspective. This changed my life, right? A trillion seconds ago, you're like, the 1800s. No. Christopher Columbus? No. 29,700 BC is a trillion seconds ago. A quadrillion seconds ago, 30,800,000 years ago is a quadrillion seconds ago. We're talking about a really large number, and Musifi is so big, you could put 2.7 quadrillion Earths inside this one star. But it is not even the biggest star we have found. I love science, and science has just brought us the largest star they found. It's called, are you ready for this, Canis Majoris. I think that means the big dog star, and that's exactly what it is. If the earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest. Thank you. You just saved your family plane fare from California to Kathmandu, Nepal. The highest point on the planet, and I just dare you to get up there and unzip the parka and pull out your golf ball. You could fit seven quadrillion Earths inside Canis Majoris. That's enough Earths if the Earth were a golf ball to cover the entire state of Texas in golf balls 22 inches deep. And when you see this, I don't know what happens to you, but I'll tell you what happens to me. A shrinking feeling comes over me because sin, it has a way of shrinking God down in our minds and puffing us up in our own estimation. But just a glance into the universe that God has made resizes everything in a heartbeat. We are worshiping an unrivaled, uncontested God of all kind of might and power and glory and awe who is, there's none like Him anywhere in all of creation tonight we are not here worshiping some little teeny tiny God we are the teeny tiny ones you and me we are small and weak and fragile and frail we are you and me tonight one of six and a half billion people on this little golf ball sized planet in this massive universe that God has made but I'll tell you the miracle of tonight is that though we are but a vapor we have been created in the very image of the God who breathes out the stars and put the universe into place. You and I are fashioned and formed and ordained by the God of all creation. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, you and I. But what I really need to know right now, does God see what I'm going through and can he do something? And Isaiah answers, the Lord is the everlasting God. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He is a star breather. He's big. But that God, that creator of the ends of the earth, he gives strength to the weary. Those who hope in the Lord, right in the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm going to trust that God is sitting on a throne, that he has a purpose for my life and a plan for my life, and I believe I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, and I'm not going to stop believing that no matter what. That's what the word means. Here's the promise. Those who wait upon the Lord, here's what I promise. I will renew your strength like you have been swept up on the wings of eagles and you will run and not get weary and walk through it all and not faint he said i will hold you 
even when you let go of me, I'm not going to let go of you. We will never not be carried by the strong hand of a universe-making God, and He will bring us through. That is the promise of the everlasting God. On a warm summertime night, take a walk away from the city lights and look up at the nighttime sky. Stop and be still. Look and listen and think of this. God himself personally made all that you're seeing so people just like you could see what he can do. Remember how many of our earths could fit into our sun? It wasn't a hundred or a thousand, but it was one million of our earths could fit into our sun. And there are stars like Epsilon that are so large that if they were hollow, you could put 30 billion of our suns inside of them. And there are hundreds of billions of other galaxies, millions of light years away. And God created them all out of nothing. It's mind-boggling. God created the sun, and it's so hot and bright that we can't even look at it. And he flicked it into space with his fingers. Next time you pray, just take a minute and think who you're talking to. God created the magnificence of the universe to show what he can do. The universe is God's revelation in space. History is God's revelation in time. The Bible is God's revelation in language. And Jesus Christ is God's revelation in person. Jesus said, No man has greater love than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, and then Jesus gave his life for us. And one day, each of us will rocket through this physical universe into the place where God lives, and the most valuable thing we'll ever have is our faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you would like a CD copy of today's program, please ask for number 1798, The Heavens Declare God's Glory. That's number 1798, The Heavens Declare God's Glory. You can order a CD copy of this program from our website. Our website is issuesineducation.org. That's issuesineducation.org. Please give us a call at 928 928- Seven seven six zero 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 zero. That's nine two eight seven seven six zero 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 zero. From Psalms one forty seven verse four, the Lord counts the number of stars; He calls them each by name. For issues in education, this has been Bob and Jerry Boyd. 